0: daily i'm your host tony fry welcome to episode number 64 today we are talking about i me mine which is a george harrison composition released may 8th 1970 on the beatles let it be album this has always been a favorite song of mine um even from the first time i listened to this this album way back in the day um and it's kind of interesting musically. There's a lot more going on than than you would think, but it's also interesting in the historical context of the Beatles because this is the final track that was recorded by the band, most of the band. And um, you know they had finished Abbey Road and uh, the Get Back sessions, which preceded Abbey Road. Glenn Johns had done two or three different mixes of the album and lineups and all that kind of stuff they just could not agree on a way to get that album done and then the movie started um you know the the, uh the the final cut of the movie started to make itself apparent and in january 1970 the beatles see it and it's become evident that um i mean mine is going to be in the movie there's a scene with George just strumming the song on acoustic guitar. Now to this point, there's been no formal recording session. The um, the Twickenham film stuff that you see in the movie was not recorded officially for um, uh, record release. It was only recorded for the, the film. So there's been no official recording of I Me mean Mine to this point because they didn't work on it at all when they moved to... Um, apple studios later in the film so the beatles they they call themselves back together um for this one it is only paul george and ringo john is uh, on vacation and ultimately if you look at john's track record for recording on george harrison's songs there was a good shot he wasn't going to be on this track if he was you know in in the studio next door um so January fourth, nineteen seventy, George, Paul, and Ringo meet for a session that goes from two thirty in the afternoon to twelve fifteen, and they record. I mean, mine. There's like sixteen takes done, um, plus overdubs, and this song clocks in at this point at one minute and thirty four seconds, which we hear on Anthology three. It's just a short little one and a half minute song, and it's a one and a half minute song with a verse, a bridge, you know, uh, it's. It's kind of a finished song, but you know, there's no guitar solo, there's no repeats, anything like that. So it's a minute and thirty four seconds. Um, they record it, they're done. These are the last official Beatles recording sessions. Then flash forward three months to uh, end of March, nineteen seventy. Phil Spector gets called to clean up this album and he edits this song to the eventual length of two minutes and 26 seconds. So he adds a full minute to the track and you can compare the recording on anthology to the final recording on let it be to hear what gets added. But uh, it's just basically a repeat cut. Harrison would eventually name his His autobiography in 1980 would be named I, Me, Mine, which is kind of funny because he wrote the song about the ego, and he doesn't talk much about um, the actual song in his book. The notes for that are kind of more about ego and what he calls the big I and the little I. Um, So it is kind of fitting and kind of shows his sense of humor that this song that he wrote condemning the ego um, would be the title of his own autobiography a little tongue in cheek there. What's cool musically about the song though, aside from being a good rocker, it's a uh, Ringo would call it a heavy waltz. Um, it opens in six, eight. And here's, I'm going to preface this already. I'm looking at the official, um, 1970 Harrisongs limited publication of I Me mine. Okay. This is, I've got the full score in front of me. This is officially from, you know, how Leonard published it. This is the official score. I don't necessarily agree with everything that I'm going to say, but I'm going to lay it out as, uh, the official publication does. Opens up in, in, uh, we're in A minor, but it's kind of not really an A minor. It's it's, uh, like an A minor Dorian, which I'm not going to get into explaining that. That's your intro. A minor, one chord, to a major four, then a G to E7. And the reason that I don't totally agree with this is I don't really think they're playing it in 6-8. It's a blues shuffle, so that's where the triplet feel comes from. Um, but for all intents and purposes, it's played like a waltz. Right? You've got... Well, I don't know. I could argue it both ways. Because Ringo does hit a bass drum on one and a snare drum on four, which is... More like you would get with uh, a six six eight groove. But there is a very like, one. Um, and there's a lot of subdividing on 16th notes throughout the whole thing. So it is technically, all this is technically correct: it is a 6-8. And, uh, and he just repeats that line. I'm in mine, I'm in mine. All through the night. I'm in mine, I'm in mine, I'm in mine. Then he switches to a minor four. Now they're frightened of leaving it. Everyone's weaving it. And then this is what's cool. He does an E7 with a flat nine. So... The melody is built on an F uh, which is the in a D minor chord that's what makes it minor is that F then the E7 chord he adds that flat 9 which he loves that flat nine chord. John liked it too, um, but adding that flat nine keeps that F in the chord. So we're going D minor, <laughs> right leaving it. Everyone's reading it, more song all the time. It's a cool little um, way to keep that F on top of it, and then uh, uh, a. To A major seven, to A minor seven, to A six, and then an F major seven. So that leaves the E um, hanging on that. And when he hits that F major seven, we actually shift to twelve sixteen. To my knowledge, this is the only Beatles song that even you could even argue is in twelve sixteen. It's technically Um, 4-4 What they're saying is you've got 12 16th notes In the bar Okay Um, But it behaves the same as 4-4 In that Your pulse is in 4 You're going 1-2-3-4-5-6-7-8-9-10-11-12 The pulse is in 4 And the 16th notes Are almost Uh uh, meaningless. Twelve eight functions is for 16 functions as 4. But what it does is it sets up this tempo change or this perceived tempo change. So we're going uh, all through the day. I mean, my I mean, me, mine. So we, it's it essentially changing the tempo, and it's not. And and by doing that, it's not a straight. Double time, or a straight triplet to uh, uh, you know compound to simple, or a, a complex to compound. I'm tripping all over myself. It's not going from a complex time to a simple time, which would be uh, something George does a lot. So it's giving you this perceived um, uh, time change that's not really a time change; it's a meter change. And here he's just doing a basic blues. Me, me, mine. I, me, me, mine. Up to four. I, me, me, mine. I, me, me, mine. And then right back into the, uh, uh, Six, eight so when you're going 12 16 the eighth note stays the same as six eight so that's why at the end of that when they're doing they hit these three eighth notes to end the rock blues part and that sets up your new tempo back into um, the six eight. So, it's a very interesting uh, compositional trick. What I love about this, listen to the guitars. So, George does all the guitars on this one. Paul's doing all the bass and keyboards. Ringo does the drums. It's a very even split. Um, well, not all the, Paul does bass and all the keyboards. And if you listen to the way George orchestrates these guitar lines, he will start a line on acoustic guitar. <clears throat> And then finish the line on electric. Which is a very cool, deliberate, thought out, orchestrated kind of thing that you see a lot in his solo career, but that he wasn't really afforded the opportunity to do too much um, on the Beatles catalog for time constraints and maybe the impatience of certain other band members. So it's a cool tune. I think his voice sounds great on it. The guitars sound good. Uh, the band as a trio, and we've talked about this before, and we will talk about it again on, on some a few other tracks. This band as a trio works with pretty much any kind of configuration. I think as a duo, when we listen to things like "Ballad of John and Yoko," "Why Don't We Do It in the Road," um, certain songs that they did with just a configuration of two, whether it was Paul and Ringo or John and Paul, um, are fine, but they sound kind of flat and and one dimensional. But adding that third person makes it. This is a this is a good uh, rock and roll song, and so as a trio, they often work pretty well obviously not as well as they would as a as a quartet you know i would have loved to have heard john screaming some of the background vocals on this with with paul and george but it's a good tune it's a highlight on abby on a let it be which can kind of be a a slow album at points you know it's it's a it's a cool um bridge between the 60s psychedelic sound and then the 70s rock sound that that the the Beatles were doing. It's it's just a cool tone. And I think it's uh underappreciated sometimes. But it's got some stuff going on in it. Uh tomorrow we're back to the Kinks. I don't have my list up to tell you what we're talking about. You'll see it. Um thank you. Welcome to all the new listeners. We've taken quite a, a spike over the last couple of weeks and um, I thank you all for listening and hope that you will find us at Herohabit.com. Join our discussion group for this podcast. Follow us on social media at Hero Habit, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, swing by Apple, iTunes, and leave a five-star rating and review for the show. All right. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Have a great day. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com, collect your heroes.